Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey there, and welcome to the Road World Baseball Podcast. I'm DJ Short. This is the latest episode in our team check-in series, and if you're tuning in for the first time, basically we are covering all 30 teams leading into opening day, having discussions with beat writers who follow these teams on a daily basis, so trying just to get the inside scoop on the offseason and looking ahead to 2017. We've already done a bunch of these episodes, so you can go ahead and look back in our archives uh, for anything you might want to listen to, Uh, but today we are going to talk New York Mets with Mark Carrig of Newsday. Uh, In my mind, one of the best beat writers in the country, one of the most entertaining uh, beat writers to follow on Twitter. Uh, So excited to to talk to him. But before we get into that, just a reminder to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Uh, We're also on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, Audioboom. So you can find us in lots of locations, but any help you can give us would be much appreciated. Okay, let's get into the show. Once again, I'm talking to Mark Carrig of Newsday. Mark, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, how are things in Florida? Sunny but windy, but so far so good. You know, had a lady ask me today when Tebow is getting here, so that, uh, <laughs> of course, <laughs> kind of says it all. <laughs> well, you got out of New York at just the right time. I mean, yesterday was a perfect spring-like day, sixty degrees, but. Today, the snow falling, it feels like baseball is really far away, but fortunately, it isn't. Yeah, well, my, my wife would disagree with you because she's been out there all morning shoveling. So, <laughs> I'm, um, I'm waiting on that. I digress. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, we're here to talk about baseball today. Uh, with the Mets, uh, it felt like almost everything went wrong for them last year, but thanks to the late surge, they were able to make it to the wild card game before being bounced by the Giants. And as opposed to last offseason, the reunion with Cespedes happened quickly this time. And now going into 2017, again, looks like the Mets are one of the better teams in the National League. I'm going to ask you about the fallout from Cespedes in a minute, but I wanted to start out here asking you about the rotation because that's the biggest question facing this team as we move into camp. Noah Syndergaard made it through last season relatively healthy. He did have that bone spur, but everybody else went down. Matt Harvey... Jacob deGrom, Stephen Matz, all coming back from surgery now. Zach Wheeler has missed back-to-back years after his Tommy John surgery. What's the feeling on these guys going into camp? And I'm especially curious about about Matt Harvey. Uh, there's not much of a track record, as we know, pitchers coming back from the surgery that he had. 
Yeah, I, I think, you know, so far, it's pretty exciting for them. I think all of them have had whatever ailments they've, you know, that knocked them out last year. They've had them taken care of with surgery and rehab and all that stuff. So as far as that aspect of it, I think they're they're back. So, you know, what that means as far as, you know, risk of re-injury or all that stuff, I mean, obviously nobody really knows that, but... I think, you know, they're in about as good a spot as they can be in right now. They look pretty good. They're pretty excited about it. Um, you know, Travis Darno is out at the complex today and saying that, you know, he likes what he's hearing from those guys right now, too. So, um, you know, it, again, it's what else is he going to say, right? You know, of course, they're going to be excited and all that stuff. But, um, you know, it's just difficult to tell um, as far as how often they can stay on the field. I, I, I will say this. You know, and you mentioned it. it I just thought that was so insane last year that it wasn't just one or two of these guys. It was pretty much all of them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and even Noah to some extent that had to deal with something. So I, I don't know if one can bank on something that unusual happening back-to-back years. Um, I mean, stranger things have happened, but I will say this about the Mets. They proved in the second half last year that they've got the depth to sort of withstand some of that stuff. And, and I think that's the key. And if you look at the off season, uh, Robert Gesellman and Seth Lugo both, um, you know, got a lot of interest uh, from other teams, you know, a lot of teams knocking on the Mets door, hoping that they'd move one of those guys. Um, you know, obviously the Mets didn't do it. And part of the reason is that they realize the importance of having that depth in their back pocket. So um, I think if something were to happen again, they're at least positioned to try to deal with it. Um, but right now, in the early going, I, I think these pitchers have done everything they can to get back on the field and be productive again. And, um, you know, I guess now it's just a matter of timing and luck and all that stuff. Sure. With, with Wheeler, after missing back-to-back years, there has been some talk about him spending some time in the bullpen, whether it's right out of spring training or maybe later in the year if he reaches a certain innings number, whatever they have in mind for him. Uh, what's the chatter going on with that right now? Well, I, I think it wouldn't be surprising to see him in the bullpen to start the year because, as you mentioned, you missed that much time. It's two years now. Um, you know, they're going to have to be careful with his innings. There's going to be limits there, and obviously a way to keep uh, within those limits is to have him pitch in the bullpen instead. So, um, And actually, you know, it sort of dovetails with you know, maybe one of the Mets needs there too. I think um, you know, it wouldn't have hurt him to add another right-handed arm uh, this year, and, and they got Fernando Salas, obviously, but you know they, they could have used a little more depth there. But so maybe Wheeler's a guy that provides some of that to start the year. So it kind of serves a dual purpose. You're, you're limiting his innings, and you know he may be helping you out in an area um, where they could maybe use somebody else like that too. So um, wouldn't be surprised if he started there. But um, you know I, I don't think these guys view him as a bullpen piece in the long term. Certainly, I think that's a matter of just you know practicality at this point. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Moving on to the outfield situation, obviously re-signing Cespedes was a no-brainer given what he means to this lineup and the window that this franchise has with this pitching staff. Uh, But the fallout from that is is pretty extensive. Obviously, they exercised the option on Jay Bruce sort of as an insurance policy for Cespedes. Uh, But after they brought Cespedes back, the expectation was they were going to try to trade him. They've been unable to find a taker so far. And as of now, they project to go with Cespedes in left uh, Granderson in center field, at least against right-handed pitching, and Bruce in right field. So the big question for many Mets fans right now is, where does that leave Michael Conforto, and could we still see a trade here during the spring? 
Well, I guess the, the last part first. Yeah, I think uh, if, if somebody in another camp goes down and all of a sudden there's a need for a corner outfielder, I think uh, you'll see a trade. You know, I think the Mets would certainly pull the trigger there and certainly try to uh, make something happen if the opportunity presents itself. Um, as far as Michael Conforto, if nothing changes, you know, he'll be back in the minor leagues. And that, and that is obviously not an ideal situation for both the Mets and for him. Um, you know, I know certainly fans have been really excited to see Conforto, um, you know, get a chance to blossom here. You know, he obviously had some struggles last year. Um, but, you know, I think everybody knows, uh, what, you know, what could be uh, with his bat. And so, but right now, they're, they're in a tough spot. I don't think it does them any good, really doesn't do him any good to have him on a major league team taking up a roster spot when he doesn't have a clear place to play. Mm -hmm. And if they don't have a clear role for him to play. So um, it's not the best scenario. And it's one of those tough decisions that you have to make when you have an off season where, um, you know, not everything goes right. And that's where they're at. So um, barring no changes, Michael Conforto is almost certainly starting the year in the minor leagues. And what about first base? Um, could Conforto see some time there this spring? And I mean, I think it's relevant given what happened with Lucas Duda last year with the back injury. How much can they count on him to be an everyday guy? Yeah, I, you know, we keep hearing this uh, out of here. Um, you know, and Terry Collins had said it even before last spring training that, you know, one of these guys is going to find a first baseman's mitt in their locker and, mm -hmm. and you know, maybe they try him out there. So, uh, you know, uh, I'm not sure. You know, to answer your question, I'm, I'm not sure how serious they are about trying something like that. Um, you know, I guess it just depends on, you know, how willing they are truly to, to start experimenting with some guys, you know. I mean, I guess what would stop Jay Bruce from picking up a glove out over That's there, true. for instance? I don't know. But, um, you know, it, it's been, you know, they send mixed messages with that sort of thing. I think I, I feel like we've written tons on this beat about, oh, yeah, they're going to put this guy here, put that guy there. And then when, when the time comes, you look at the end of spring and they played there maybe one in it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll see. I'm not, I don't have a good sense of how serious they are about trying that kind of thing. I don't really see it much of a downside to it. Um, but obviously in the past, they've shied away from it before. Um, I realize your guess might be as good as mine here, but David Wright, what can we expect this year? How is he progressing in camp so far? Well, your guess is as good as mine, um, <laughs> yeah. like you said. I mean, look, that's a, that's a tough scenario. I mean, David Wright, what he's dealing with, these are not, you know, injuries per se. These are, yeah. you know, he's got a chronic back condition, mm -hmm. um, and that's not going away. So, um, you know, whatever production the Mets can get out of David Wright is going to depend largely on, you know, how much his back is going to cooperate. And you can rehab all you want, do all the right things, and look, David Wright has proven throughout his career he's going to be that guy that does everything he can possibly do to get on the field, but it's obviously not totally in, you know, his control right now. So, um, you know, like he's been on the field and doing light workouts and all that. And that's obviously a positive sign, but you know, that's still a long ways away from playing a major league third base and, and, and being productive bats. So, um, you know, certainly as the spring unfolds, that's something that uh, it's going to be watched very, very closely here. Um, then you wonder also, just considering some of the chronic issues he's facing, even if things went right, uh, you know, all the way, like if he was physically perfect or as close to it as you can get in his situation, you know, what's the realistic number of games to expect from this guy? And, and you know, that's a, that's a tricky question, too. So especially when you're the Mets and you have a guy like Jose Reyes that could easily play third base for you and be a productive player and then obviously bring some things to this lineup 
that it doesn't have without him. So um, I think there's a lot of factors at play there, and ultimately it's really, really difficult to tell. Well, when the Mets were really rolling late last season, Reyes was in the leadoff spot. And as you said, I think that added a dynamic they didn't really have. So if Wright was healthy enough to play, I'm assuming Granderson would probably slide back into the leadoff spot. Yeah, I mean, I think like, you know, and certainly the Mets have kind of, you know, defaulted to that position too. And, you know, Curtis isn't necessarily, you know, one of those typical leadoff guys, but he's shown in the past to at least have a skill set, you know, when given like the lack of alternatives, you can live with that. So, um, you know, Curtis, when he's going good, I mean, you've seen it. He can, he's capable of putting up a good at bat. Um, you know, I think he's got such a professional approach. He's obviously very streaky. And, you know, there's a lot of – Curtis Granderson is one of those players where I think a lot of people can fixate on the things he doesn't do well, and certainly those things exist. But, you know, there's still a lot of stuff that he does do well. And, and the proof of that is how long he's played and been a productive player in the major leagues. So um, I think they could totally get away with that and, and be all right. But certainly uh, Jose Reyes – like you said, it was a night and day difference, just what he brought as far as just a, a different skill set that, again, stood out even more because really there wasn't much of that anywhere else in this roster. Moving on to the catcher situation with Travis Darno, what happened last year? Of course, we know he missed two months with the rotator cuff tear, but when he was actually in the lineup, it really brutal offensively, 11 extra base hits and 276 plate appearances. Did he just never feel 100%? And can he get back to where he was before? I'm, I'm hearing from lots of Mets fans who want to see somebody new back there. They're mentioning Matt Weider is still out there as a free agent. Yeah, and I, I think that's you know certainly a fair criticism. Travis had uh, just a poor season. And do I think it's possible that he gets back there uh, to a place where he was the year before? I think so. Um, you know, and I don't know if this is the entire issue with Travis, but I think certainly when, when Bob Guerin went, uh, to the Dodgers to become their bench coach, leaving his bench coach job here. I think that might have had an effect. You know, Bob and Bob had been a major league catcher for a long time, and um, you know, I think Travis really benefited from having that kind of influence around him on an everyday basis. Um, you know, Bob really worked hard at at you know working with those catchers and on an individual basis, gave them a lot of time, got them as prepped as he could, and I think um, you know it helped maybe alleviate some of the anxiety of, you know, also catching games and being a good defensive catcher and all that. So, um, you know, I think that had an effect on Travis in some way, but certainly that wasn't, you know, the only thing, um, you know, maybe it was a physical thing. I, I, don't, I don't know about that. I mean, it could just be uh, a young player who regressed a bit and we've seen that all over baseball, you know, guys can do that earlier in their careers. And I think we've seen lots of examples of young catchers in particular, who have had somewhat of a, of a career arc that way where, you know, it, it begins with fits and starts and they either figure it out or they don't. So obviously it's a critical time for Travis in his career. And, and certainly uh, as far as the, the larger team picture, they need him uh, back there because they didn't get another uh, guy in. So, um, you know, we'll see how that goes. They, they did hire a new coach um, Glenn Sherlock from the Diamondbacks. And part of that hire was because Glenn had had such a deep background with working uh, with catching. So I think maybe that helps. And it certainly kind of gives you a window into what the Mets were thinking about, you know, the loss of Bob Garrett. I think they realized, you know, maybe this is someone that will really benefit from having that kind of attention from a coach who really knows catching. And so I guess that's what the Mets are hoping happens uh, with Travis this year. 
Yeah, that's a major investment in Darno and his uh, hopeful success. Um, finally, I want to finish off here with the Jerry's Familia situation. Obviously, very unfortunate and sad to hear what happened. He was arrested for a domestic violence incident involving his wife in October. The criminal case was eventually dropped, but a suspension is still expected. Most are thinking it will be something similar to the Aroldis Chapman suspension from last year, which ended up being 30 games. If we see a similar punishment this time, uh, do you think the Mets are at least prepared uh, to deal with that absence? Addison Reed moving into the closer role, and they did bring back Jerry Blevins and Salas, as you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and, and I think they are. And, and we'll tie it back to the beginning of this conversation. We were talking about Zach Wheeler, and maybe the Mets could use another right-handed arm down there. And, and this is exactly why, because you know, obviously without Familia, they're going to need uh, you know, another guy that can give them some leverage innings back there. Now, Reed will slide into the closer's role, and uh, you know, Mets got lucky there. You know, when you look back at what Sandy Alderson's done uh, during his tenure with the Mets, you could almost argue here that trading for Addison Reed might be one of the best moves he's made here. I mean, they, they got Addison Reed on a waiver deal for two minor league pitchers. You know, and that was in 2015 when Addison Reed spent a month in AAA Reno because he couldn't throw strikes. So when you look at the numbers that he's posted since coming to the Mets, they've been off the charts. He's been one of the best relievers in baseball in, in that time. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think the Mets uh, made their own luck in that regard. You know, they've got a guy that I think certainly, you know, could do that role fine. He has done that role in the past. He's been a closer. So there's an experience uh, that he, he brings to the table there that should certainly help him out. So, um, obviously, they'd rather not be without Jerry's Familia and certainly would rather not have that you know, horrible circumstance transpire in, in the offseason. But, you know, when you look at what they've got in-house, I think they're at least prepared to deal with it for a month or however long it ends up being. And just to wrap things up here, let the people know where they can find you on social media, Twitter, etc. You can find me on the Twitters at <laughs> Mark Carrig. It's M-A-R-C-C-A-R-I-G. Um, you can follow the work at newsday.com, you know, write stories there too. And every now and again, you put your TV on on the SNY and I'll be on there too. So, um, you can't escape me <laughs> if, you're, if you're interested in following the Mets, which I'm totally fine with. So it should be an interesting season. I mean, these guys, this is a good team. I think it's a really good team. And, um, you know, if they can even have less terrible luck <laughs> with the injuries, right? Like if, you know, every team's going to get hurt. Um, but man, I, I just, if they can avoid some of the calamity that befell them last year, I think they can make some noise. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, thanks for taking the time to come on the show, Mark. Really appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. Really awesome to have Mark on the show. Um, so that was great. Uh, just wrapping things up here, a reminder, the Roto-World Baseball Draft Guide is available in stores now. It's also available online, and the online version will be constantly updated through opening day to get you ready for your fantasy draft. So keep an eye out for that. Go to rotoworld.com for more information. Um, you can contact the show, uh, at gmail.com. Again, it's rotoworldbaseballpod at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook page now. I just started it uh, about a week ago. Uh, it's just facebook.com slash djshortbaseball. Uh, you can contact me on Twitter at DJ Short, my co-host Drew Silva, who's doing a bunch of these ep- episodes as well. He's at Drew Silva on Twitter. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, and I will see you next time. 
Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.